absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. I got my co-host with me, Scott, the man who actually wears pants that fit from Uniqlo. Scott, what's the good word? Uh, if you are looking for a, a quality pair of discounted pants or anything, uh, check out Uniqlo because it's a good deal. And yeah, good stuff. I am happy for Adam Scott. I'm happy he did it at the Riv. Uh, Tiger was a gracious host for finishing DFL, but I could not be any happier that Adam Scott is back to wearing pants that actually fit a grown man. Yeah, the like like I said, I don't really get it because if you look at the the Uniqlo website at the pants that are assigned to Adam Scott, they are completely normal. And I, I don't know what he was thinking with those double pleats. It's a terrible idea. You, you ever um you ever see like in I don't know, maybe the New York Post or kind of like a trashier type newspaper, they'll have Articles about Fashion Week in Milan and Fashion Week in New York and Fashion Week in Italy, et cetera, et cetera. And people really push the boundaries. And none of the things that you see at Fashion Week ever really make it to retail, but it, it gives ideas. You know what I mean? They might take one idea from a dress and then go off of that, but you won't see a dress with those 30 different ideas in it. And I think that's what Uniqlo did with those pleats. You know, they just went over over the top like it was insane dude i can't look i don't care how much they pay him i would not wear those i'm sure they pay him a lot and i'm sure for him it wasn't that big of a deal to just be like well, you want me to wear those uh, how big is this check okay no problem i'll do it yeah i guess maybe so but I, I i know you i know me like when we're wearing clothes that fit us well and we like to wear i mean like i feel better on the golf course it's more confidence I feel like my game's better, even if it's not, because at least I look good. I can't imagine the mindset wearing double-pleated pants like you were Michael Jordan back in 1992. Yeah, it was like, yeah, the NBA, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Someone's going to come out one day wearing a pair of, like, Zubas or Z Cavaricis, and that's, that's going to be the was, next wave. That's what I was thinking of, the Zubas. That was a, an NFL thing, though. That's it right. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those things were. Those things were crazy. Where's so, Where's Ben Curtis at? He can. He's still, you know, has a probably friendly relationship with the NFL. He can rock those out there. Yeah, I mean, even remember Payne used to wear the NFL colors in knickers and the NFL logo of the team that was closest mm -hmm. in proximity to the course they were playing at. That's a wild deal. You know what I mean? Like, that's a wild clothing deal to not have a specific team that you're wearing, but just wearing basically at some point in time all 32 teams. Yeah. And it was one of those like, is he going to coach a football game or is he going to go out there and make some birdies? Could go either way. I'm, I'm very thankful that in the annals of golf history, it shows pain wearing semi normal clothes when he won his last U.S. Open at Pinehurst and not um, 
Well, geez, the Carolina Panthers weren't even a team then. So what would have been the closest team in proximity to Pinehurst that he would have worn? Falcons, probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Black and red Atlanta Falcons or, or, or red and gray back then they probably were. That's a, that's a weird fashion statement to make. Definitely. All right, so Adam Scott, the man whose uh, last name is your first name, wins, hasn't won in a while, 11 under. We got um, Mr. Sung Kang, Scott Brown, and Matt Kuchar in second. Now, Cooch and Rory, what do you, what do you make of their Sundays, buddy? Um, I mean, first of all, I mean, I, I still have my man Rory, you know, pegged to have a really good year. Uh, but I mean, talk about, you know, grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, he, (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, dude, he goes, uh, he wasn't right. He went yeah. 68, 67, 68, 73. And Kuchar bested him by one stroke on Sunday and shot 72. Yeah, I mean, no one ran away with it, obviously, uh, because Adam Scott really, I mean, he shot 70. So he, you know, he picked up a shot on Kuch and, and you know, he ends up winning by two. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean... I don't. I don't really think anyone played particularly well yesterday, so you know, there, there you go. But yeah, obviously Rory's got a, you know, got a little Sunday problem. Uh, it goes back to last year when we talked about it. Again, if you ask him, he probably could care less. He's good, but I think deep down he realizes he's got to he's got to clean some things up on Sundays. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as far as guys near the top of the leaderboard, Scott Brown had the best round of the day with a 68. I mean, if you look down the leaderboard, there were just a ton of guys that were in the 70s on Sunday. Tiger obviously shoots a 77, um, you know, with a four putt along the way on the weekend. And no one really stood out and, and killed it. Vaughn Taylor also shot a 68, but he tied for 13th. Um, most surprising to me, in this whole thing is Scott Brown at nine under two off the lead and tied for second. Um, the man took home, uh, what do you take home? Like 600 grand. He's up to almost 900 grand this year. Now I asked you before off air and you said 4 million. I said, what do you think Scott Brown has made in his career? Scott Brown, excuse me. Scott Brown is 40 K away from 10 million in career earnings with one win. And that was that Puerto Rico open that you had spoke about. Scott, this is a dude that played at South Carolina Aiken, a D two school turned pro 14 years ago, playing like the Hooters tour and E golf tours. And, you know, then finally the nationwide, et cetera, et cetera. Um, This is out of nowhere. This is literally out of nowhere. Uh, so it is definitely out of nowhere because he has missed the cut in his last four tournaments. Yeah, he's never played in the Masters, never played in the U.S. Open. Um, the only Open Championship he played in 13, he missed the cut. His best major finish ever is a T13 at the PGA Championship in 2017. He lost a playoff 
with uh, Killer Kisner against Jonas Blix and Cameron Smith in the Zurich Classic, the walk-up music classic in 2017. Mm. So, I mean, like 2017 seemed to be his banner year, uh, aside from uh, the Puerto Rico Open. And I'm going to throw this on top. Here's an interesting note on Scott Brown, because we've been talking about Jordan Spieth a lot. In 2013, you mentioned his Puerto Rico Open, his only win, right, which is opposite field event of the WGC Mexico. Runner-up that week was Jordan Spieth. Yes. And that's when Jordan was at the top of his game. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, again, this is one of those examples of if you stick around on tour long enough and you make enough cuts, uh, you're going to be ultimately okay. Yeah, um, that's a hundred percent true. Brown is up to 57th in the FedEx cup right now, which we know, you know, the PGA tour is going to push on us, but it's really the only numbers that matter. You know, when it comes to the end of the year rankings is the yeah. FedEx cup. And just going back, in, in, in 2012, he made almost half a million dollars, made eight cuts in 24 events. Right, and here's one cut made, one top two finish, and he made more than that this year alone. Yep. In, yeah, in 2013, he made 12 cuts in 21 events, so less than half. Well, I guess more than half. Uh, made a million dollars. I mean, that's a decent living for, you know, just having kind of like moderate success. Yeah. And you know what? Okay. You know, good good on him. And this is just, it's an example of just how much money you can make on tour by being middle of the road. One of the problems I have with the PGA Tour is they, you know, we talk about all the time, is that they don't build up stars. Scott Brown is not a star. Okay, uh, like, you know, I, Scott, I, I, nothing personal against you, but, you know, you're a balding middle-aged man. Um, right, you sir. are not going to be their poster boy. But here's what I have a problem with with the PGA Tour. They, they want to build up stars. They want to build up people, but they don't ever dive into any research for them. Here's what they have listed under personal information involved with the American Cancer Society. It's fantastic. Literally. That's phenomenal. Everybody's been touched by cancer somehow. That, Every college that, team. Oh, go ahead. Gonna, that's essentially because I'm sure that you know the PGA tours. You know, obviously with all their involvement with charity, it's one of those like, okay, what are your two charities? Right. And I I, my guess is most most guys, um, one of them is the American Cancer Society. Agree. And that's fine. It's it's a it's a fantastic charity. I have no qualms about that whatsoever. Moving on, favorite college team, Georgia Bulldogs, favorite pro team, Atlanta Braves. Makes sense. Sense dude was born in Augusta. Here's the next thing on his personal information list. Never travels without shoe cleaner. Uh, he's a sneaker guy. <laughs> That's the third bullet point. That's Literally, great. I'm staring off into space. This is insane. Never travels without shoe cleaner. What the? Get a, get yourself a, an old toothbrush. I mean, every clubhouse that he must play in has somebody down there by the men's grill room that's going to clean shoes. That's going to clean sneakers. Uh, that's probably a hundred percent accurate. Here's the last thing 
this man's special interests. Now, this I always do find interesting because we are in education. What is our special interest? It's golf. A mm-hmm. golfer's special interest is not going to be golf. I understand. That's fine. Most of these guys fish. Ding, ding, ding. Scott Brown fishing. Most of these guys, if they fish, they also like to boat. Ding, ding, ding. Scott Brown boating. Here is his third special interest. Yard work. Yeah. That's a good one. That's uh, that's what I do when I'm not playing golf. So it makes perfect sense that that would be one of his interests. Not landscaping, not horticulture, not... Uh... <laughs> You know, outdoor architectural design, yard work. So mm-hmm. he rakes, he, he blows the driveway off, he uh, plants some perennials. Yeah. So I've just randomly on the, the PGA Tour website, you know, they, you can go through all the different player profiles. So I just randomly uh, pick someone. Uh, and I ended up with Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson's special interests. Want to guess what they are? Uh, well, he's never coming on this pod. So uh, riding jet skis while high, um, trying to surf down stairs in Augusta while drunk, uh, cocaine, um, wild orgies on boats with models. Should I keep going? Well... <laughs> Interestingly enough, that is better than what's there because there's nothing there. The bullet point has nothing. It just says special interests. There's a bullet point, and then it's just blank. Okay. One of their most marketable stars. I like this game that you're playing. I like it so much I'm going to one-up you. Not one-up you, but I'm going to choose someone else. Okay. Um, a man who also finished uh, very high at the event, uh, three off the lead, Hideki Matsuyama, 26 mm. million career earnings. Personal information, learned golf from his father, a former club champion, was a student at Tohoku Fukushi University in Sendai, Japan, when the city was devastated by an earthquake and tsunami in 2011, but was in Australia training at the time. Okay. Return... Right? Returned to find his dorm room destroyed and struggled to find food. Um, Scott, normally when natural disasters occur, they don't let people in to the area. Right. If, If you were training in Australia and you know that your entire area, your entire college was destroyed and nothing was there... Why would you go back? Hmm. Uh, maybe they made him go back. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe that maybe his work visa or whatever ran out or something. I don't know. Here, here's the third bullet point on his personal information. This is personal. This is a man who is how how old is Hideki? Thirty something. Twenty seven. In twenty seven yeah, years. Gone. 27 years, this is what they came up with. Learned golf from his father, talked about his college being destroyed, and here's the last thing, Scott. In this man's 27 years, wore buttons at the Players' Championship in 16 to show support for Japan 
after the Kumamoto earthquakes in April. Mm. He wore buttons. Yeah, he, he went out and bought some pins. His personal information is that he learned golf from his dad. His college was destroyed and he couldn't find food and he wore buttons. Do you think anybody that works for the PGA Tour social media and website has spoken to these individuals ever? Or do you think it's just a random checklist that they give to people, the same sheet every year, and DJ doesn't even fill it out? He just crumples it up and throws it away. Or like the USGA distance report, he looks at the email and says, 10 pages, eh, delete. I'm not reading it. Um, well, I, I don't know about that, but so I just checked Phil Mickelson because that was bound to be hysterical. It's actually not. Uh, his special interests are all sports, especially football and flying. Okay, um, that's BS because right mm -hmm. now, on Hideki's page, special interests, all sports. Now, you would think, though, that with someone like Phil Mickelson, this would be updated on a fairly, fairly regular basis. However, well, makes sense. under personal, like two, four, seven, like eight bullets down, there is a description of Phil Mickelson Design's first golf course project, Whisper Rock, uh, opened in 2001. The latest project, Mickelson National Golf Club in Calgary, Canada, is scheduled to open in, guess what year? 2015. 2018, so, okay. <laughs> uh, why is it everybody do this angry at the PGA Tour? The biggest golf tour in the world. Like, here's the reason why the PGL might succeed, okay? Because the PGA Tour has gotten so big and so over the top, and it is the only go-to place to make real money in golf that all these little things that fans love go by the wayside. Like the XFL, right? As stupid as you think it might be, fans are clamoring for it, A, because there's a need, there's a niche that's not filled at this time of year with football. But they're giving you stuff. They're giving you the coaches speaking during the game. They're giving you mic'd up players. They're giving you everything you want with the NFL. But the NFL is so protective of its product that it won't give you. And this is the same thing with the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is so protective of its product. It won't tell you who gets fined and how many tournaments people are uh, you know, asked to sit out or forced to sit out. You know, it won't tell you any of those things to to hold up appearances, you know, like that Stepford Wives type uh, veneer on the outside. And maybe the PGO comes in and is like, you know what, uh, Phil, let's sit down and tell people what you actually like doing. And and you know what, Phil, let me read off the PGA Tour site what they said you like. And Phil's probably mm -hmm. going to be like, what the, I don't even remember answering that. And if I did, maybe it was in 2006. Yeah, in their defense, I just looked it up. That golf course is not open yet. So uh, since it's not open, I'm going to give them half a pass. But it's still kind of ridiculous. I understand that these are trivial points. But as the world leader, world leader, and people can't fathom how big 
the world is. Like if you've never even left your state or you've never left the U.S., you have no idea how big, you know, the world can be unless you've traveled. The world leader in golf entertainment refuses to even do the the basic legwork to find out about their members or at least to make their members more relatable. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, like they like sports, they like fishing, uh, you know, Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods have designed golf courses, some of which are open, some of which are scheduled to open at some point. Um, I knew all that really without having to go and check that out. And my guess is most people did too. Yeah, I want to know. I just want to know things about (laughs) them that make them relatable because golf is so different than professional sports. I'm not rooting for a team. Like I'm literally rooting for a guy out there. And I need some connection to that individual aside from the fact that he's won a tournament or she hits the ball better than everyone else because everyone at that level plays so superbly. Mm-hmm. It's true. All right. So anyway, congrats to Adam Scott. Let's move on to the Lee Comb, uh Suncoast Classic on the Corn Ferry Tour. That had a wild finish. Uh, my buddy, Mike Creed, who caddies for Tyson Alexander, who missed the cut by a stroke was walking the back nine and give me a call on Sunday, kind of update me and said, hey, man, I know you can't uh, watch any of this because there's no television coverage, but we got, uh, we got a little battle going down here. And uh, John Chin and Andrew Novak were just duking it out at the end. Novak was in the lead. Chin goes off and birdies 10, 11, and 12. And uh, Mike was on the, on the back nine following along, kind of, you know, just kind of seeing what the winners were doing and stuff and staying for the day. And then both guys birdie 14, okay? On 16, Chin takes the lead by birdie in 16 and then goes off in par 17 and 18. Andrew Novak for his first Corn Ferry Tour win, birdie 17 and 18 coming home to win by a stroke. Great TV. Oh, wait, 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 Scott. Nah. Wait not there was no tv i mean just uh good lord man look pga tour if any of you are listening everybody that subscribes to pga pga tour live would love to have some corn ferry tour coverage okay send send two camera guys have them follow the last two groups or or sit sit a guy down at 14 have him jump ahead to 16, then have him jump ahead to 18 at the end, and then have one camera guy with the final group. Something to get these guys to become household names before they become rookies on tour next year. Like, there's got to be some type of synchronicity, Scott, between the two tours. There has to be. Well, and you bring up a good point, because like you said, a lot of these guys will be on tour next year. So it's an investment in your future. Uh, And I don't... I don't know how hard it would be for them to just find a couple decent guys, groom some cameras, maybe have one or two people out there, uh, you know, following them around to do commentary and just put it online. Uh, it's you're not giving it away for free. It's going to be on PGA Tour Live, so it's going to be people who are paying for it. Uh, I feel like other organizations do this with their, you know, minor leagues or. You know, they're, they're secondary leagues. I, I don't see why this is not possible. 
And, you know, right, I guess so, the argument is that they're, you know, it's hard to shoot golf and things like that. Uh, okay, fine. You know, even if you just had like some like remote cameras, you know, some digital ones, it would be better than nothing. All right. So here's the deal. Do you have a local minor league team that is within an hour of you? I have a local minor league team that's within five minutes of me. Okay. Excellent. It's literally on the same road as the golf club. I have two minor league teams that are equidistant apart, one 40 minutes north, one 40 minutes south. Minor league teams, every single game is broadcast. Does your minor league team have a television contract? Can you watch it on your local TV? Um, probably not because it remember this is New York. So we're getting Met and Yankee coverage. And what level I, are they? Oh, it's, uh, rookie. Oh, okay. So they're like short season class A then. It's literally short season class A. Okay. Well, then that makes sense. Actually, now, I, okay. I know at least three people who have actually played for the team. Okay. Well, let me here. Here's here's my point. I have two AAA teams. One from the Phillies. One from the Yankees. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are guys that are going to play in Major League Baseball. Now, I am a fan of the Phillies minor league team, not the Phillies themselves. Please don't think that. Um, But I follow the Phillies minor league team because they're close. It's the stadium that we like going to. The kids love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do in the summer. The starting nine, let's just say the eight, because obviously pitcher rotations, right? The starting eight in Philly right now, four of them are ex Iron Pigs, which is the minor league team. Okay, so these guys are proven commodities, and now we're big league players. Let's fa- let's rewind to last year on the Corn Ferry Tour. We've got Zach Blair, who's up on the PGA Tour now, playing great. Mm-hmm. We've got Lanto Griffin on the PGA Tour, playing great. We could go on and on. We could easily Lanto's get fourth, right? fourth in the FedEx Cup ratings right. right now. So, so these are guys that should have been given some spotlight last year just like these minor league baseball players you can go and watch out of area games on milb minor league baseball tv okay owned by the mlb so why can't the pga tour give me a few holes even just on sunday maybe an hour recap show on the corn ferry tour we can't even get that. No, and and it's uh, and it's fairly recent that that's the case too. Like I definitely remember watching those tournaments a, a couple years ago, and just all of a sudden it just it's not there. Like, yeah, I, I don't what, know. <sighs> what is the Golf Channel or NBC Golf like? What what are they showing on a regular basis that's more important than that? Oh, Bagger Vance. Uh, well, that's the point I was trying to make. Is like, you know, how many times right. can you show Tin Cup? Like, it's right. a great movie, but Fa- enough already. But you're telling me that you don't have enough resources and enough educated, hardworking people to put together an hour recap show from the Corn Ferry Tour? You can't give me 20 minutes of what happened Thursday through Sunday a 10-minute piece on the course and the region of the country they're playing in because they can easily 
spotlight some great areas of the country which the PGA Tour does not reach. Then you have a 10-minute segment on the sponsor and what they do in the area, five minutes that uh, you give to the, the winner. So now the winner knows that, hey, I'm going to be on national TV or at least, you know, Golf Channel, and I get my five minutes of fame there. Uh, and then you give uh, 10 minutes preview for the next week. And there you go. There's an hour of Corn Ferry coverage. We stop bitching and complaining. New fans are made. Tournament revenue increases. Fans come out. We just solved the problem of the Corn Ferry Tour. You're welcome, PGA Tour. Yeah, well, again, if they listen to us, we'd solve all their problems, but they don't, they don't want to listen to us. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let out a little secret right now, Scott. Okay. For people Go for it. this far in sometime this week, I'm not going to mention the day. Uh, I have a conference call with the Savannah golf championships. Hmm. And that is to obviously celebrate our one year anniversary. And we'll get to that in a second because it started at the Savannah golf championships. Um, but to also see what role leave the pin podcast can play in helping the Savannah Golf Championships uh, expand down there, and and what we can do as far as um, in a social media role to spread the word, because as great as that tournament is, the only people that know about it are the people that live within the Landings community, are the people that are in and around Savannah that have access to the media provided by the Savannah Golf Championships, because let's be honest, the PGA Tour. And the Corn Ferry Tour in terms of television, uh, radio, other avenues of uh, dispersing information are not giving them their just due. And I'm telling you, Scott, this tournament is phenomenal. Like, it is so much fun. I have more fun there than I've had at any major championship that we've been to. Any big-time PGA Tour that we've been to. Because it's small, it's intimate. Uh, the, the people down there love this tournament. The volunteers are emphatic about it. And everyone from the pro shop help to the marshals to the to the caddies to the players are just in love with the area. And you know that that's an area of the country that I am just enamored mm-hmm. with. So that, you know, to me, it's like going to to golf Shangri-La. So, and that it's not surprising that they would put that much uh, effort into making sure it's fun, making sure that people are having a good time um, because uh, they get it and they know, okay, well, this is not, uh, you know, this is not a PGA tour event. We need to get people to come here. What do we need to do to get people to come here? Well, we need to make it, you know, fun and entertaining and yeah, there's golf going on. And if you want that, you're going to get that. But how do you make this uh, a, a week, a weekend out, you know, what can we do to draw people in here and get them to come back? And it's smart on their part to do that. And I think there are tournaments that I've been to that do it well. Um, And especially in, I'm going to, you know, give a big shout out to the travelers championship in the early days of the travelers championship before it became what it is right now. That's the atmosphere they had. Now it's just too crazy, but Back in the olden days, they had like a this really nice fan zone. I feel like they they definitely took care of the fans. There was travelers, employees around, handing out sunblock and lip balm and all that. That's gone away as it's gotten crazy and gotten a lot more corporate. 
But, you know, back then, that for me was a, you know, how, how do I make this a thing where I can get to for, you know, three days, that, you know, not just the weekend? How do I, I find a day to get there during the week? And I feel like that's probably the atmosphere that this Advantage Golf Championship is going for. So we'll support that. With hands down, they have two awesome ideas. First off is this drivable par four. They call it Schooner's Cove. They've got these all they bring these awesome food trucks in behind the green. They've got some private seating, some open seating, some bleacher seating, some seats with umbrellas, uh, blankets for people to lay on. They got a DJ back there. Mm. And anyone that makes a birdie for five minutes, it's one dollar beers. So you've got people that hit hybrid and lay up or people that go for the green, but the green is all carry over water. Mm -hmm. So you're getting thousands of people around this one small hole. And I mean, it is loud. It is amazing. It's like a mini, um, it's like a mini waste management almost, except there's no bleachers or anything. Um, you got guys in the bleachers there gambling on the wind. On how many people, you know, of this threesome are going to hit the green or twosomes on the weekend. You got the bar going crazy. Some of the best barbecue I've ever had down there. And if you want that excitement, well, you hang out at that hole. If you want regular, you know, silent tour golf, then you follow on all the other 16 holes or 17 holes, excuse me. Um, on Saturday, they are enormous with their um, servicemen day. They have guys parachuting and have helicopters. They have tanks on the ground. I mean, like you could bring a kid that doesn't like golf because the dad does or the mom does and be like, hey, instead of coming to a golf tournament, you want to go sit in a tank? You want to see a guy jump out of a helicopter? You want to see a Blackhawk land in the fairway of 18? Like what kid does not want to see that? I, I think I kind of want to see that. I want to see it too. And I wasn't there <laughs> la uh, last year on Saturday because I did all the practice round stuff for, for media. But, uh, you know, it's it's things like that that bring the community together. And they, they played at the Landings Club, which has six courses. They play on the Deer Creek course. So you've got mostly retired individuals that love to volunteer. And they almost have too many volunteers like what a great problem to have i met i met a few people and just talking with them you know like it, it, perfect here's a great story i come out of talking with uh one of the assistants i believe his name was joe i have to look it up honestly before i go back great kid and uh, i bought a hat for my boys and i come out and i was gonna just check the bag because i didn't want to carry it around and i'm talking with one of the police officers there and two or three of the volunteers come up i had a short sleeve shirt on so you know all my tattoos are showing and the guy goes, uh, guess you're not a player, huh? And I was like, well, I am. I said, just not a good one. And he's like, uh, they allow you on courses with those tattoos? And, you know, and you, you know, whatever. You get that a lot. And uh, right. I was like, well, you know, I said, if they don't, I'll just kick their ass. And the guy's like, oh, <laughs> that's my man, you know? And then all of a sudden, he's my best friend. Yeah, I was going to say, now that guy, that's your best friend now. That's it. And so... He said, what are, you, what are you doing here? Just hanging out by yourself? I said, well, you know, I explained to him the podcast. I explained to him we're doing media. He's like, oh, dude, well, at noon, I'm on hole 12. You got to stop by. Well, okay, guess where I was at noon, Scott? Oh, yeah. Yep, I'm on the tee box, and in between, 
He's telling me about everyone that came through and, oh, this one guy was cursing out his caddy so bad. I wish I would have got it on video to show you. You know, he's like, will you talk about that on the pod? You know, of course, man. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just you, you meet people. Yes, and you, sir. <laughs> yeah. And you just become part of the fabric down there. And it's just such an awesome experience. And like, that's what golf needs more of. And I understand like the PJ Tour, it's difficult. You know, sponsorship money runs everything, Scott. So, you, so these influencers are there, and you know, a lot of people are overserved because, you know, let's be honest, a lot of people go to golf tournaments just to wander around the grounds and drink. Um, but, you know, there, there's a just like there's a slice of Americana in minor league baseball, you know, kind of a little bit of a hint towards the past. That's the way I feel about the Corn Ferry Tour, and I think that's the way it should be marketed. Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. That that one hole where they do the uh, the dollar beers, not so. Here's the thing: what's probably going to happen is, and just obviously, you know, there there is a risk to that. But I kind of feel like they do that. You know, if there's a player who kind of plays to the crowd a little bit, you know, then there'll be people who are like, yeah, you know, well, that's my guy now. He got me a dollar beer. You know, I'm going to follow him around. Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of cool. And, you know, if they're coming back later in the weekend, let's say a guy makes birdie there on Thursday, they're coming back on Saturday, you know, they're going to follow that guy. So it, it builds that kind of like sense of community, you, you know, and that that fandom that wouldn't ordinarily exist. Because let's be honest, most of the players who are out there, uh, nobody's heard of. You know, there's going to be a chunk of people who, are you know playing in the tournament because they didn't get into whatever you know PGA tour events going on and maybe you've heard of them but for the most part it's you know guys who are just trying to make a name for themselves so now you have an opportunity for fans to become fans of someone so that's kind of cool right and and that's what pro golf needs more of like these guys can only reach so many people through social media and believe me it is a lot but you need to be like a politician almost in golf. You need to be on the grounds. You need to be politicking and, and selling yourself, you know? Um, <clears throat> and when tournaments give you a platform like that, I think it's super important for these guys to take advantage of it. Because let's be honest, um, you know, the, you're probably going to see three to 400, maybe 500 different guys, different individuals play on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. 25 of them are making their way up to the PGA Tour. That is it. Right. You know, twenty an extra 25 to 50 will have full status next year on the Corn Ferry Tour. But, again, without any medium, without people seeing these guys' faces day in and day out, how are people expected to know them? How are people expected to care about Andrew Novak? Well, I mean, why does anyone care about any of these guys? Right. When it's, you don't because... give them the platform. Yeah, or, I mean, even the guys who, like, let, let's just pick a, you know, a, a random player. Like, wh- why do, why would anyone really care about Justin Thomas that much? I, I mean, he's definitely a nice guy, but in the end, like, he's youngish. So it's not like it's going to be someone, oh, my dad rooted for Justin Thomas. Like, you get with NFL teams or baseball teams or things like that. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a guy who, you know, you follow on Instagram, it's a good follow, things like that. But 
in the end, the reason people follow him and like him is most likely in a lot of cases because he does cool things like sign hats for kids and stuff like that. You know, that that's what builds fandom. So this gives, you know, it's an opportunity for people to showcase what they're all about. So, Could, yeah, couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And, you know, I know you and I will do everything we can for these little quote unquote little tours as compared to the, you know, Euro tour and the PGA tour. Um, but I'm I'm all about helping out the corn Ferry tour because the play is phenomenal. I mean, we have mm-hmm. personal connections out there to people and it's something that needs to be shown to the world. All right. Well, moving on in the complete opposite direction of that, we've got WGC Mexico coming up. Um, basically, I guess, premier golf league light, if you will. Mm. Um, Adam Scott coming off the win at Riv. He's won before. Patrick Reed has won. Uh, we got, we got Jordan Spieth earning a spot in the field after the, that T9 at the AT&T Pebble Beach he had. He moved up to 49th in the official world golf ranking. So he's going to be in there. Um, we've also, you know, and here's the thing about the WGC. Like, I know it's the world golf championships, but there's so many more hot players that should be deserving of spots. And then we've got Yo Ishikawa who wins three times on the Japanese golf tour and he gets in the field. I mean, if a guy won three times on the McKenzie tour in Canada, is he getting into the WGC? No. Mm, no. I mean, if you look at the field, there's definitely people who are like, Oh, who's that guy? Uh, how, you know, how is this person in like, you know, uh, the first, well, third name alphabetically is a guy named Christian, I can't even pronounce it. Something crazy South African. Um, you know, and uh, if you look him up, he's like 38th in the world. <laughs> so Yeah, there's, um, you know, maybe, maybe the other thing the PGL will do is maybe assign world ranking points evenly. You know, like you could, you could stay on the Japanese tour, play on the, hop on the Euro tour for five, six, seven events have some decently high finishes in small fields. And like, you just start accruing these world ranking points and, and there could be guys toiling away on the PGA tour around like 125 to 150 that could wax you day in and day out. And you're going to be ranked, you know, 80 spots higher in the OWGR. Yep, exactly. Well, and that's, that's the other thing. Like if you look at the top, you know, the next 50, it, you know, it, it's a crazy list. Like, you know, the from 51 to 60, you have right now Scotty Scheffler, Spieth, uh, Poulter, Adam Hadwin, Phil Mickelson, Keegan Bradley. Like, those guys are all, like, like you know, really tested golfers. And then you get guys like Victor Perez, who, who's ranked in the, you know, top 40, he was a, a French golfer. Um, one, no one's ever heard of him. And two, you know, what has he really done to, you know, be playing in this tournament? Not a whole lot. No, I understand. Although yeah. he did win the Dunhill Lynx last year, which is a pretty big tournament, but still. Yeah, but that's like the eight. That's like a Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Yeah. I you know. know. 
just the um, tours version. Yeah, I mean, it gets a couple guys like you know, you know, Rory played in it and Tony Finau played yeah. Luke Donald, but it's still it's not it's not the same as playing in a, a full field PGA event. So, yeah, no, I I agree with you, that. You get 100%. what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, I do. So they're playing the Club de Golf Chapultepec. 73, 45 yards, par 71. Fourth year in a row, they're using this Alex Smith design. Um, PGA Tour is trying to force down the storyline down our throats that Rory McIlroy is looking to become the second player to complete the WGC Slam by winning all four World Golf Championships events. DJ did it in 2017. Um, I find it very hard to believe that Tiger has not won all four, unless... Unless, you know, I don't know. They, You know what? It's so stupid. They have all these names. The names change. Tiger holds the 72-hole record, which was c- completed at the Grove in 2006. I don't remember that at all. But that was when it was a different World Golf yeah, Championship exactly. event, probably. That's I, that's what I'm saying. Then the Chapultepec record is 263. DJ did that last year, which... You know, it's no surprise. The tournament's only been around for four years. Uh, so the reason that Tiger has not won the World Golf Championship Slam is that is it he because he hasn't only, won the China one. He has not won the China one. He's only played it twice. But uh, that's in, stupid because the China one wasn't even around. Like that's, uh, and this goes back to like the naming of things. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what what what's a major? Why do we have four? Because some columnist back in the day decided, or Arnold Palmer said that these four were the major championships, and then some columnist put it out there, you know, in a newspaper. Like, why is the why are these WGCs more important than the original WGCs? Well, I mean, it's all the same WGCs. They've just changed names so many times. You know, they're still so. For example, this one, the Mexico Championship. Uh, used to be the American Express Championship. So where was it held? Uh, so the year in 1999, Tiger won it at, at. Well, the first two events were held at Valderrama. Yeah, so I mean that like, it's <laughs> like don't don't tell me that you can compare Valderrama to Chapultepec. Yeah, so Valderrama, it was at in Harding Park one year. Uh, okay, this is then. There's no, there's no credibility. Then it if you're just to, gonna throw it in different countries because of sponsors. Like it's, it's just stupid. Well, then it was at Doral. This was, this is the. Um, it used to be the Cadillac. So then it was at Doral for a while, and then it, but well, yeah, then it was at Doral for a while, and now it's at Chapultepec. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, that's gone downhill. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But if you go, I mean, if you're at Valderrama, Harding Park, Park, Doral, and now you're at Chapultepec, Mexico, yeah, that's gone downhill. Yeah, on the side of a mountain, basically. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know what to tell you, man. It's like, you know, it's so here are the four. Here are the four WGCs as they stand right now. The Mexico Championship, which we have. 
the Dell Technologies match play, which has always been a match play. Obviously, it hasn't always been sponsored by Dell. It used to be in the Arizona desert. Now it's in Texas, right, I think. The FedEx St. Jude, okay, that happens because of FedEx. Simple as that. And then the HSBC Champions, which is held over at uh, the small capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So that that's the slam they're talk, talking about. Well, five years ago, the slam could have been different. Five years before that, the slam was different. When they first started the WGCs, the slam was different. It's, it's, all, it's all money, man. That's all it is. But for the tour to try to force down our throats that Rory's going for the WGC slam, I, that's stupid. Yeah, so the, the, the uh, HSBC started in 2005. So Tiger had, um, at that point, had already won the uh we'll call it the the slam had already done it twice of right. the other three there you go so good job more uh more pga tour media hype for their own for their own boy the king of the pga tour rory um hey just see the coronavirus is uh speaking is... of the abc championship <laughs> it's gonna, will it happen this year um, the coronavirus has canceled on its own. The cor- look, the coronavirus has more pull than the than the Premier Golf League as of right now. The coronavirus has canceled two Euro Tour events: the Volva China Open and the Maybank Championship, and uh, it canceled the um, Asian Swing on the LPGA Tour. Yeah, I I don't want to. I don't want to say the wrong thing here because people get, you know, offended, but I, yeah, I get it. You but... know, I, I feel like a lot of times, you know, things outside the U S um, you're, you're taking a chance on whether or not it's, it, you're going to get U S players to play in it. Oh, that's not what I th- thought you were going to say, but yes, that is a fair assumption. What did you think I was going to say? I, I thought you were going to say China just has the craziest diseases and outbreaks, and uh, we got the avian bird flu from them. We've got the coronavirus now. Well, you get uh, that. I mean, and it's not just China, because you had the you know the Olympics in Brazil, which all yep, these people, the Zika pulled, virus. all the players pulled out because of the Zika virus. Um, you know, the, there's all sorts of things that that again when you get when you start doing things outside the united states you run the risk that people you know from the united states or from you know other parts of the world where healthcare and and things like that are similar you run the risk that people just aren't going to go so yeah and i don't i don't think you can blame them again we say it all the time these guys are independent contractors i mean if i didn't have to contractually be at a tournament and I could be somewhere else at a safer tournament. I mean, you know, like I've got kids, I've got a wife. I mean, I've got friends. I don't want to infect people. I don't want to get sick and die. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think it's it's crazy for these players not to go. Right. And especially when there's, you know, travel warnings and things like that to a certain place. Like is going and playing golf really worth potentially getting a life threatening illness? Right, and it's not. It's not. I'm going to say no. No, it's in. Once you break it down in its simplicity, it is a game and nothing more. Right. 
you know, I do feel bad for people who, who, you know, maybe needed that tournament to continue to make a living. But again, it's not worth risking your life for it. Right. And, and the thing is the entire tournament itself is canceled. So there's not like some people can make money from the tournament and then others can't. No, no one's benefiting from it at all. I feel bad for those communities and the um, organizations that benefit through whether it be donations or grants or community fundraising, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that's a big loss. You know, imagine, you know, uh, here's a perfect example. Like on the PGA Tour, there are people at tournaments and their entire job working for the PGA Tour is one tournament a year. That is their job. Planning mm-hmm. and coordinating that one tournament. Imagine doing work for nine and a half, ten months, and then the PGA Tour saying, oh, hey, um, the, uh, you know, the Sanderson Farms Classic is actually going to be canceled this year. So we don't need you anymore. Right. And it's happened. I mean, there was I, like three years ago, I think they canceled the Greenbrier. Right. When all that flooding. flooding. Yep. Um, you know, obviously things were canceled around like September 11th. That's obviously going back pretty far. But right. The Ryder Cup, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it, it does happen and it, it does happen everywhere. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like if you're that's like essentially what you've devoted your entire career to. And then it's just gone for a year, like all that work, all that effort, you know, all those arrangements that have been made, all those checks that were cashed, you know, because obviously sponsorship deals and and things like that, that stuff, you know, that stuff all, you got to refund all that money. You know, I've already purchased tickets for the, you know, two tournaments here. Like if those were canceled or moved, like the, PGA Tour is just going to send me money back. Right. Just thinking of that, it's, it's crazy. The, the yeah. amount of money that has to be refunded in that situation. Yeah, and we, we know what goes into setting up a tournament and running a tournament, and it's just astronomical. You know, it's, it's basically like running a professional sports team, but every single week you're doing, <laughs> you're doing the yearly maintenance on a professional sports team week in and week out. Right. You know, instead of having an entire season, like instead of running the the Jets for 16 games and a preseason, you're working all year for a week for seven days. Hmm. Yep. So, all right. Well, what else we got for the people, buddy? Is that it? I think that's it. I mean, you know, obviously we gave them uh, our whole memorabilia story yesterday. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell the people what you have officially purchased? So, since we last spoke, uh, when I had purchased the uh, almost complete set of 1990 Pro Set golf cards, uh, last night I decided I was going to go online and also purchase the Arnold Palmer and Sam Snead starting lineup figures, uh, and I have also been seriously considering buying some of those tiger woods figures because i just think those are cool they're awesome i looked at them today i couldn't pull the trigger yet i will in the future instead i spent twelve dollars and 19 cents on 27 unopened foil packs an entire box of unopened pga tour pro set golf cards from 1992 
Yeah, I mean that that's pretty sweet. Uh, we should open one of those on, uh, on on live on a pod. Oh, it won't be live that, for the listeners, but for you well, and I, will be. Well, that will be done. I'm going to open some on Instagram Live and do some Instagram videos. And I think what we'll do is we'll save a pack or two to give to give away as as some sort of uh, giveaway. Uh, maybe maybe in uh, conjunction with the one year anniversary. That's what we'll do. That's, <laughs> 1992 cards. Yeah, that'll be awesome. 28 years old. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I mean, if somebody is like, I'm going to give you these 30-year-old, you know, golf cards, you would think it was pretty cool. So you literally just spent money on it. And most of our listeners would because they're kind of in the same boat as us. I think so. All right. Well, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. All right. Be good, everyone.